art you know art exists on so many different layers and so many different uh conditions and places and it's um you know there's like renaissance art but then there's like performance art and then there's like tattoo art and then there's food art and so it's i think it really depends on like the the artist you know it's person to person and viewer to viewer and it's so subjective there's such a fine line um but serious art it is from serious badass people that do their work and just are like so talented you know you see like i mean you can have a pretty lightweight shitty art and then you can have like serious hardcore beautiful super original creative artwork and so it's it's you know art art's in everything it's all about like perception and attitude and context very subjective Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life Podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you can join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group where you get notified of fresh episode drops. You can join my email list on my website at taylorgallegosart.com, the contact page. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart. And finally, you can support me on Patreon. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I am your host, Taylor Gallegos. And with me here, we got a really cool, really special guest. And we're on site, on location, at this man's workspace, his his place of expression of his art. So here with me is Keelan Daniel. Keelan, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. How y'all doing out there? <laughs> Welcome to Wavelength Farm. Yeah. Thanks we're for here. having me. This is great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So... Um, we'll just dive right in. Uh, so why don't we start with who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you're at, and what it is that you do. I'm Keelan. 
Um, I come from a partially Jamaican and Jewish background. Um, I originated in Los Angeles. That's where I was born. And I've been moving north since. I got to study a little bit of agriculture and 3D art at University of Santa Cruz. And I'm proud to call Manchester, California my home. Yeah. And Manchester is in Mendocino County? Yeah. Is that what that is? So we're called uh, Mendonoma. We're like the south coast, Mendonesia of, uh, of Mendocino County. We're like the southern last, we're in the last southern 20 miles of the coastline here. And it's a really special, special landscape. We're right on the San Andreas fault line. Our neighbors across the valley are on the west tectonic plate and we're on the San Andreas plate. So we have tons of aquatic action and fault line activity happening here. It's constantly moving. We get hundreds of little micro earthquakes a year and we have tons of little ponds and creeks and fissures of water moving through in and around. this place it's the the fastest moving part of the california coastline and over the last 100 million years manchester was once down in santa barbara so we're kind of at the northern border of the coastal mediterranean climate here um and we really really enjoy pushing our boundaries in terms of what we can grow and and our philosophy surrounding mediterranean climates and plants sweet so then Okay, so um, is that where the name Wavelength came from? So Wavelength from like the- comes from, you know, it comes from kind of just trying to be on the same wavelength as people, you know, kind of create connections through energy cycles, primarily, um, you know, when I started this farm, I was just such a newbie five years ago. I still am such a newbie to the practice, and it feels like every day there's just like thousands of lessons to be learned, and really like the wisdom is in the land ultimately and not you know not in the individual and so really spending the first few years like studying the land studying the patterns the weather the rhythms the grasses the plants the animals and so wavelength farm was really kind of trying to bring together the cycle from seed to production and harvest and how it makes it back to an individual's plate each and every night (laughs) that's awesome and and it's so cool because, like, I mean, what I follow of you on Instagram, I get to see, like, the, the harvest, right? That's, mm-hmm. like, mostly the harvest that you're showing. Yeah. It's, like, the beautiful colors of, like, the fruits, the vegetables, the flowers, all the different things. Mm-hmm. And then in, right now we're standing in, like, the nursery where you've yeah. got all these little baby plants. Yeah, everywhere. so this is our propagation hoop house that we're in right now to give you guys kind of, like, a visual idea of what, what it is. It's a 30-foot wide hoop. It's about eight feet tall, 10 feet tall. Um, And there's big, long wooden benches with hardware fabric wire screens so that um, we can have really nice ventilation in and around our plant starts. So right now we're getting ready to go into late, the things we're gonna plant right now, we're gonna be harvesting in the late fall. So things like broccoli and cauliflower, as well as, you know, spinaches and root vegetables, carrots, beets, turnips. A big one that we're really excited about this year are our chicories. We're doing a bunch of different frisee and escarole and one called Gregorinho, which is a really beautiful radicchio. And um, kales, mustards. So it's it's fun, yeah. It's interesting to think about it. We're like here in the late summer and we got to think about the next season, always constantly thinking about the next season. So 
um, yeah, just babying these plants into life. On the, on the far wall, we're doing a bunch of different overwinter flowers, things like snapdragons, um, status, uh, some different beautiful Persian cress, and some buckwheats. Yeah, just playing around with different stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's what you guys have been doing because, like, at first, I mean, it's so cool. So mm-hmm. just for the listeners, um, Kelsey is one of the team members on this farm, and she's been with Keelan here for the whole time since the beginning of it. There's, like, a crew. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey, Carly, Austin, you are, like, the yeah. the, the old-school Gs here. And Billy and one of our new farmers, Sasha, and his partner, Geetna. Gita just joined us. So we've got a really nice, diverse team. Um, the team is really what we rely on so heavily. You know, all of us have such different skill sets. So finding a way to collaborate with our team here has been the biggest thing. Carly co-directs the farm with me and is definitely like the genius behind a lot of our production. Um, Kelsey has been here since the beginning and is such a beautiful energy and light here, super creative, just has been bringing so much to all of our different energy cycles from propagation to harvest. Austin is a builder extraordinaire and has had his hand in every single piece of infrastructure here on the farm. Billy is just like an amazing cultivator, jack of all trades, great with livestock, great with planting, great with cultivation and really great and really sound mechanically as well. Yep. And so, and then the addition of Sasha and Gita, who have been kind of leasing an acre off of us, um, doing a, a potato seed and corn seed, as well as different herbs um, seed project this year. Um, it's been amazing to have that kind of fresh energy popping up here as well. So I really got to attribute all of the, you know, all the love and success of this project has been on our team, you know, and not the individual. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cool. Um, you know, exactly. The team is killer here. And, and uh, Kelsey is Haley's sister. Haley's my fiance. Everyone's heard me talk about her. She's mm-hmm. on one of the first episodes. So so she and I, Haley and I, have been coming up here and staying with you guys mm-hmm. occasionally throughout mm-hmm. the whole entire process. Mm-hmm. So it's been awesome. We've gotten, yeah. you know, we were just you. talking about how it's like the flow has just like changed and shifted mm-hmm. on the property. Like at first we were... You know, there was a yurt over here down low on this um, deck, and it seemed like there's a lot of action down in this this field here. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of moved over there, and now it's moved up top. And, like, I mean, one thing I talk about with art and development of, mm-hmm. like, content and creativity is, like, uh, just, like, tinkering and trying things and mm-hmm. seeing what works, see what doesn't work, and then adjusting, you know, for the next try. Yeah. And that's what you guys are doing the entire time is, like, trying new things and and it seems like at first you were more focused on the veggies Mm -hmm. and maybe eggs for a while Mm -hmm. and now like i've seen a lot of flowers yeah and i think that's something that we're moving kind of more into trying to predict as climate is changing what our next moves are going to be crop wise um starting to really kind of begin to delve into perennial uh vegetables things like artichokes and asparagus and rhubarb um, really excited about perennial Mediterranean, South African, Australian plants because they, they are so hardy, such epic pollinators, produce such rigorous flowers and that you don't have to replant them and pull them out. They condition the soil. It's just amazing what perennials can add to a production site and landscape. And so been really excited about 
uh, the Proteaceae family, which are specifically from South Africa and Australia, as well as Papua New Guinea and Indonesia. However, they, they do well here in California, especially on the coast where we don't get harsh freezing conditions. Um, it's very cool and temperate here. In fact, it's the most temperate region of the entire West Coast. It's pretty much 55 degrees. It's a cold 55 with fog or it's a hot 55 <laughs> with sun and roasting conditions. And so it really doesn't change. We have like, you know, an average temperature swing on a daily basis of 10 degrees. So it's really wow. It's always kind of cool, yeah. cold. But with, you know, um, with the addition of hoop houses and caterpillar tunnels and high tunnels, um, growing in these hoop houses makes our makes it so that we can really stretch our boundaries climate wise and so yeah and then just planting hardy hardy perennials as well yeah things that can really lock in the soil biology and just keep the keep the soil conditioned and the life alive in the ground and they do that by are they they're more like a bulb you know that um, stays in the ground that's a great question like so every a perennial plant is basically can be anything from an apple tree, something that is in the ground that has a really established root system, or it can be something like a, a sagebrush. It can, you know, perennial just uh, applies to a plant that pretty much has an indefinite life cycle that's in the ground, has a has its home, is established, and um, so one amazing thing about perennial plants is that they do condition the soil they hold in moisture you know depending on where you put them and how you treat them water wise um they keep mycelium networks intact mushrooms fungal networks plant intelligence they keep a lot of the nutrients and nitrogen cycles consistent and steady and so whereas like annual crops things like uh, cucumber or head of lettuce or cabbage or potato tomato all those crops actually are really um heavy feeders so they they pull a lot of nutrients and a lot of life out of the ground and so sustainable farming refers to kind of like sustaining the soil and just you know okay you're gonna farm it hard you're gonna plant all these plants that are gonna drink all the nutrients we're gonna replenish it but something we're trying to achieve here which is a little different is make the soil a hundred times better each year so instead of trying to flip over and do a bunch of annual production, you know, we do do annual production, but um, something we're always trying to keep in mind is just trying to add way more compost than we did before and like really keeping these nitrogen nutrient cycles, all these different layers of soil biology, anywhere from protozoa to nematodes, looking at all these different life in our soil and making sure that we're not just like tearing up this place and destroying all the biology out here it's really important so just kind of fine-tuning our techniques and seeing what works in that realm especially because this is a long-term project like, yeah it does you no good it doesn't yeah. do anybody any good no. to extract all the nutrients totally. and that makes sense like a potato is like a plant that's like under the ground that's mm -hmm. like soaking up to create like the plant is like becoming like bulbous and like yeah. absorbing the carbon and all the nutrients exactly. all the things from around this in the soil and then when it gets taken out then that's gone from the soil yeah i, I that's depleted soil at that point you plant yeah. a vegetable and then you've got to do your job to recreate that catastrophic nutrient cycle by bringing in compost by always replenishing it by keeping it covered with mulch um, and so there's a lot of different techniques we're utilizing to hold that in and one one that's really exciting is living mulch 
the idea of being able to plant clover in our pathways, really um, like fine-tuned seed mixes of, of buckwheats and perennial annual grasses, things that are going to hold in that shade canopy and lock the moisture in and, you know, essentially moisture is life. And, you know, right. a lot of people throw around this term, oh, we're sequestering carbon, we're going to sequester carbon. And that's a great achievement, but, you know, people don't really realize that sequestering carbon is through coming up with innovative techniques to lock in water because water is life. And so when you, you know, for instance, like we have a 16 head of cow that our neighbors, Jesse and Katrina, graze here on a regular basis and they're very into regenerative farming and so they're constantly bringing their cows around and their their poop and their manure and their hooves are turning over and aerating the soil and they're trying to create carbon sequestration which is trapping in moisture into the ground through the poop through uh, carefully studying the land and seeing how the cows interact with it seeing how much poop they spread seeing how much they aerate the soil and then moving them a second, the second that they've got got the exact physical conditions that they want to see in their soil. And they let the grass regenerate tenfold with all that. And they bring the biology there by coming up with innovative ways of capturing the moisture and all of that carbon nitrogen manure. So it's a fun, it's another fun thing we're really working on here is our, our intensive animal rotations. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so you're like moving everything around all the time seasonally, like including the plants and the mm-hmm. animals. And then, um, and so then would you, like, I've heard term cover crops. Mm-hmm. So are cover crops yeah. like the buckwheats and the grasses that you yeah. would do, like, sort of in between the phases of like potato, the annuals? Yeah. And so, you know, cover crops, there's thousands of different types of cover crops, and they're, you can apply cover crop any time of the year, depending on your climate and your soil structure. Um, and so a beautiful summer buckwheat is a beautiful summer cover crop that we like to work with is, um, a buckwheat. And so that pulls up a lot of the different phosphorus in the soil. Um, there's one that we like to use in the winter, which is an organic soil builder. It's uh, vetch, bell beans, peas, favas, um, and that's really great for, for breaking down and putting back into the ground in the springtime and building up your soil each season and bringing more nutrients and nitrogen cycles in. So, you know, there's thousands of different cover crops. You can utilize them and get super creative with them. Um, and every single one has a different function, anywhere from adding organic matter to increasing your calcium, phosphorus, nitrogen, carbon. So it's it's an endless world and something that we're like just beginning to crack into and start how, yeah. How much do you think about chemistry? You know, it's kind of it's it's really interesting. It's like almost everything we do has a little bit of chemistry involved. Um, <clears throat> you're looking at soil biology. You're looking at how to integrate mineral well water into the soil, how it reacts. Um, Every plant needs something different. Tomatoes, they love nitrogen and they love calcium. They love magnesium. They just want to be like pumped with good compost juice and chicken manure. And and then there's things like potatoes that love oyster shell and just a little bit of compost. And they can just, all these plants just have different needs depending on your climate, you know, and your weather cycles. But it's, 
you're always, always fine tuning your recipe and your soil structure to accommodate every single plant on your property or every single crop that you're growing for farmer's market. Yeah. All right. So now I'm looking around and there's like tons of different plants here. Yeah. And I'm just imagining that you at all times are like consciously or subconsciously connected to like every single plant on your entire farm. Yeah, it's you a, know, like I you, think that's a fair observation. How for many sure. plants do you think you're con consciously, subconsciously so connected to? We've probably planted, you know, over a thousand different perennial species here, um, any, anywhere from California natives to Australian banksias to citrus, apple trees, persimmons, walnuts, um, and I, it's fun to just kind of feel like which ones you're, you're connected with and like which plants you vibe with, which plants you feel like you can understand and read and other ones that just totally puzzle you and like leave you baffled every time you look at them. And <laughs> so it's just, it's all across the board, you know, it's a different relationship with everything, everything here. Totally. I mean, it sounds, I don't have kids, we don't have kids, but it sounds like the way that people talk about kids, uh -huh. you know, they're like, yeah. This one has that personality, and that one has that personality. It's always been like that, and like yeah. sometimes I get it, and sometimes I don't. And kids are like the greatest teachers in life, you know. It just teaches you so much about human instinct and like nature and innocence. And like we're always kind of trying to like bring. Our, I'm always trying to like keep my innocence alive and like keep my funny inner goofy side alive and just. Just always like studying kids. I'm like, how do they do it? How do they stay so fun and goofy and laughing and joking? I'm like, I want to be that fun always. Let's go. Totally. <laughs> totally. They're like always in flow. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, I think you guys do a really good job of it. Like this morning was a surf morning. Yeah. And like all, everybody on the farm was basically out surfing. Or just looking for waves. Or looking for waves. Yeah, skunked. I was out looking for waves, didn't find anything. You guys went out on the kayaks, found yeah. some cool stuff. It's like... yeah. Um, I feel like that's part of it's cool thinking about a wavelength because like a uh -huh. wave has a an above mm -hmm. and then a below mm -hmm. and like you know you can't be all above all the time like mm -hmm. you can't be farming all day no or like, else you'll you would just like lose your balance absolutely I mean it's like you know late mid-august right now and my body's like literally about to collapse I'm like in so much physical pain but my headspace is like totally intact and feeling really good and positive about the season and so it's you know it's like you win some you lose some yeah and like i'm paying the price of farming hard for the last you know 300 days straight jeez and so we don't really take a break here on the coast it's just like always cool enough to just like keep farming you know we can just farm 365 days of the year you know minus the those very very coldest darkest days of the year around the winter solstice yep we can pretty much just keep cranking yeah. Yeah, and just grow arugula and all the different greens during the winter. Yeah, so it just takes a toll on your body. You got to find different avenues of of uh, making money that are not good, like so taxing on the body. Sometimes I'm getting to that yeah. point right now. I'm like, okay, I got to do some cooking. I got to get some other gigs. I got to figure out some other avenues to make some cash without just like right. gnarly manual labor every day, killing my body, killing all of our our whole team is just like feeling it right now and everyone's just like gone so hard up until this point we're all like okay now we just need to like catch our breath and water things and like we've, we've cultivated all the fields they look great 
Um, and it's just, yeah, keeping everything watered is the name of the game this late in the summer now. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and, uh, like, I, I mean, I'm feeling kind of in a similar way. Like, I'm doing murals all the yeah. time now. Oh, my God. And, like, they're, you know, I put my, my all into them, and sometimes it's really long days, and I'm, like, working on a ladder or moving a ladder around all day. And, like, after a week of that, I'm exhausted. And, and I feel like... This, like this isn't unique to me or you it's like so many small businesses like you set up the business around the thing that it is that you do but that's really taxing and it's exhausting and over mm -hmm. five years you figure out like how to do it well the things that don't work the things that do work what's efficient what's not and then and then I wouldn't be surprised because I've been having that same exact thought of like okay the way that I make money right now is by putting in my time and energy and focus and skill set. Next step is to figure out a way to make money while I sleep. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I've heard this in <laughs> yeah. a lot of like, you know, yeah. business books and whatnot. There's like, like passive income uh -huh. is like, is like the next step of like evolution of a small yeah. business. Once you figure out how to do the yeah. thing and do it well and make it work, Absolutely. then you figure out how to like step back and like totally. maybe systematize or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, and so, you know, one thing that we've kind of done to, like, integrate that concept into our business is to start our roadside farm stands. So yeah. we're just all honor system. We have one at the Point Arena Brewery. We open it all weekend long. And then we have one um, in Cafe Beaujolais up in Mendocino. And each are about, one's about 10 minutes from our house and one's about 35 minutes north of our house. And so we just stock them full twice a week, three times a week sometimes. And we kind of just put that machine in action we put that ball in motion you know and it's really honorable people sometimes we get looted but for the most part it's just been really honest and consistent and we try to bring really like shell party things that can like last the whole weekend like peppers yeah. and potatoes and uh, cherry tomatoes and peaches and all that jazz things that can grab and go snacky items that people just cruising by the farm to, oh peaches let me get some of those yeah <laughs> grab it pop five bucks in the box just keep cruising and so it's yeah it's it's been fun it's like just our way that we can also just like provide good veggies direct to consumer straight into our local community here and everyone has access to it at their own accord during, yeah. at their own hours when they can go when they're done with work when their kids goes to sleep when they, you know <laughs> nova, nova just came in and got scared um yeah that's cool and then you guys do the farm stand um where you're actually at that the farmer's market yeah the farmer's market and so we do fort bragg and Gualala farmer's market and that's been our main our bread and butter those four little marketplaces the honor systems and the farmer's markets and we do a little bit of work with some restaurants we work with a local japanese restaurant gama and then a really cool southern vegetarian spot called fog eaters we work with uh, Cafe Beaujolais, Mendocino, and Point Arena Pizza, killer sourdough spot. Sweet. So it's been fun to like integrate all of our different veggies and fun herbs and, and to into be, all these menus. Yeah, and then to be able to like yeah. cruise around and be like, we got food over there, yeah. we got food over there. Yeah. And know that you're like feeding the community. Totally, and it was one big thing when we moved here to Mendocino, we're like super small community here. You know, 500 people in, in, in Manchester, 500 people in Point Arena, and, you know, 2,000 people in the greater surrounding communities and being like, can we make it work as a small business here? Like, is there even enough people? And we were like, we're going to have to drive to San Francisco or Sonoma to, you know, we're going to have to do like long hauls to get a 
but we've just been so hyper-focused on trying to get people to begin to kind of switch their philosophy here and start to really want to eat local, eat seasonal. Um, there was already a ton of people that were really on board, so it wasn't super hard. And now it's just kind of like showing up and being consistent, being like, oh, yeah, we have salad out here. You know, people try to, damn, it's the best salad I ever had. Where can I get more of that? <laughs> you know, stuff you're like, oh, dang, okay, there's people are really receptive. Let's see how far we can take this and just keep it as local as possible. Try to keep everything within, you know, 30 miles, 40 miles of our farm. Yeah. And so far, so good. You know, we're just breaking even every year. We're not, like, making money, but we're staying alive, and we have a really high quality of life and kind of have to reinterpret the word wealth. No, totally. And, I, I mean, I, I, I'm on the same boat. Like, you know, I, again, a small business, there's so much to like set up and learn and then to you have to like you know to maximize on the things that make you money and mm -hmm. like minimize on the things that take away and it's yeah. like i mean i like I, I feel like i've heard that like most small businesses fail in five years yeah. and if you can survive after five years yeah. by the way we're walking now we're walking through some trees and stuff and you're going down through the pasture into the strawberry field yeah and through through the hothouse but yeah, if you can survive five years, then like, then you can really start to go. And that, and it's cool. It's making me think about like, like the concept of the old farmer, like how much wisdom they have gained. Nova, stop. How much wisdom they've gained in those five years to like become a successful farm where like things really work, you know, like full on. I'm sure that you've... Uh, I don't know, well, well, I'm sure you've gained a lot of respect for, oh, what's up, Dashi? For farmers in general. And, like, my next question is, uh, how'd you get into all this? Because were you yeah. always planning on being a farmer? No, I think for the longest time, I really wanted to open a restaurant. And so... And that's why you're such a good cook. I was working in different... Keelan's a ridiculous chef, by the way. Thank you, brother. <laughs> um, and so I've been working in different kitchens um, all through kind of, like, since I was 18 into my like early 20s just kind of like getting roughed around in that environment and not digging it all loving some days hating others and just like the inconsistency and the temper of the chefs and the ego and the whole like it's just a really gnarly environment and so I think I just got a little head spun and I was just seeing all these beautiful farmers dropping in when you know I was interning at Chez Panisse and I was seeing the most incredible mushrooms coming in and like beautiful avocados and like incredible little breakfast radishes and so much of the most beautiful produce coming in and I was like I want to do what those guys do like I'm so jealous like all I want to do is just like grow vegetables I'm like so over the kitchen so over like sc scraping by getting treated like shit and so I was like okay well I'm just gonna look for a little four acre maybe just an acre plot and try to just do some really intensive uh diversity you know, vegetable garden, grow things like shiso mint and really special bok choys and kind of specialize in different, I'm really excited about Asian vegetables and greens and um, just growing a bunch of different specialty herbs and really, really good tomatoes and special onions and garlic. I think those are things that I'm really excited about, eggplant. And then it just transformed. I met the, I met the crew over at Oz Farm which is also here in Manchester, and they're an amazing old-school apple orchard. And I met a brilliant farmer over there, Patrick Cordray, 
and he really convinced me to move to the Patty. area. Patty. Yeah. Patty, Patty man. He's the man. Pot- Potato Patty. Yeah. And he and I started Wavelength Farm together in like late 2017. So this is, this we're almost at our five-year anniversary. Nice. Yeah, we've done a lot in the time and we're pretty, we're pretty happy to be here. I think we're really feeling settled. <clears throat> I think the community is super stoked to have us here. Yeah. And we're stoked to like just continue to grow and just figure out, you know, what it is we want to do here and get creative with new avenues and start new projects and yeah i'm really excited now tell us where we are right now so right now we're in our big high tunnel we're doing a big vertical heirloom tomato um cherry tomato production we have some incredible japanese eggplants in here and then in front of us we're we're standing next to basil and shiso mint and um let me try this and this mint is the shiso this This is is the one that got you started korean this is like the catalyst right this here. This is like one of my big jump-off points of inspiration. Point. We're tasting the whole Wavelength Farm right here. So, what, what, what do you taste? Oh, man, that's awesome. It's like mint, but like spearmint, and maybe like a little spicy kick to it also. Yeah, it's in the basil family, um, and it's got that incredible kind of like cinnamon backbone note. Yeah. It's super earthy and spicy and sweet, super intense, sinusy. And it just goes incredible with like kimchi and really good with fatty meat and mushrooms. And uh, just, a, just a beautiful leaf structure. Super and it, sexy plant. Oh, yeah. It's like darker with the purple underside. That's nice. That's, absolutely. And I see you've got like a row of those. And it looks like. Integrated with Genovese basil. Yeah. And are those like. I mean, I've heard that there that plants have relationships with each other where they yeah. like grow ne- mm-hmm. really nicely next to yeah. each other. Yeah, and so we're really excited about companion plants. I'm always trying to push the game and be like, what is it we can plant here? So, right there, you can see we did a row of scallions underneath our tomatoes. Oh yeah. Earlier in this year, we did carrots, and then planted tomatoes in between those, and then with our peppers in the back, we did a bunch of radicchio and chicories. And so that was a fun companion planting. And then on the far wall, we did cucumbers with um, flowers. We did Chinese asters, rutabecchia. You can see them back there. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of different snapdragons. So it's been fun. At the end of all of our beds here in the Hope House, we have um, perennial and annual flowers to bring in pollinators. Ooh. Like to literally bring them in the yeah, door. To bring them inside of the hoop house. You can check it out right here. All these there's little flies and moths and bees and wasps and all those different things are pollinators. You can check it out by the front. And what are these like these big purple peppers? The, these things. big things are um, these are Japanese eggplants. Oh. They've got this incredible dark purple flower with a, a yellow center and just the most beautiful purple veined leaves. We're also growing a little bit of citrus in here. So we've got some Meyer lemons and all the corners are all lemons. And oh, then wow. we're doing uh, lemon verbena, purple verbena, um, butterfly weed. Wow, those and, are cool looking flowers. And then rutabecchia, which is just another beautiful perennial. Whoa. And then some chicory flowers right here. So they're just really trying to attract all the different types of diversity. You know, when you're doing organic, small-scale farming, diversity is your biggest key because um, it just will help with disease. It'll help increase your soil communication. 
it'll increase the vitality of your soil and it just will like uh, just in general like plants work to kind of share resources with each other so monocropping is not good it's all about diversity that's my jam yeah that's our jam that's your jam <laughs> i love it um i think that this might be a really nice spot to do our question section okay are you ready for that yeah okay so question one is now i use the word creatives mm -hmm. with like a capital c mm -hmm. And creatives are like anybody who is like trying to, who's like interested in a pursuit, a passion, mm -hmm. um, a practice, mm -hmm. or a life mm -hmm. of something that comes from their like creative, passionate, you know, yeah. everything. So, what is your advice to aspiring creatives of all backgrounds? Be original. Like, don't, you know, like find inspiration in the world, but be original. Try to like not be normal shake shit up yeah <laughs> that's like i don't know what else be original i feel like you do that quite well you like you know you you listen to the beat of your own drum yeah it's true just you know follow your instincts um do your research you know go out go to museums go listen to different musicians do your research if you're excited about jumping in a field learn all about that field, learn about the history of the field, the leaders of the field, how the field evolved over time, musically, historically, architecture, sculpture, food, anything. But really, you know, if you want to find your place and, and be original in the world, you got to know your shit. And that comes with research and studying your art and your expression. And so, you know, if you want to be real and walk the walk, then do the research and do the grunt work and do the hard stuff. Um, and don't you know don't just say you want to do that yeah do it <laughs> <laughs> nice nice i love that and uh and your father yeah. is quite the creative human being yeah my so, dad like, is is an abstract painter he's been painting since he was seven years old he's also another super fiery human that you know no one tells him what to do he's kind of on his own agenda and super amazing inspiration for me so creative and just always grew up with my hands, whether in clay or painting or drawing. And he literally made a whole section of our house that I, he just dedicated to walls that I was allowed to draw on. Yes. <laughs> and so he's always just kept a pencil and just kept me creative and happy and just a really great dad. That's really great. Loving, big, biggest advocate in my life. Yeah. Besides my wife. You guys, yeah, you guys, uh, you guys are fun to watch in the way that you get along. Um, and I'm definitely going to get Lovey on the podcast. Yeah, you got it. Point soon. He, would, he would love to talk to you guys. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, question two is, uh, what do you want life to be like in five years? In five years, I, I'm really loving life right now. So I want to be able to like replicate what we're doing right now, keep it consistent. I just really want a solid team here. You know, our team has just been like the my favorite, absolute favorite part of the farm. And so just to have a really solid crew of homies here working with us, that's definitely my main vision. Um, and just fine-tuning fine our, you know, we just, Carly and I just built a little off-grid system, so we're just still getting our electric and propane and everything dialed. So just trying to hone in and get everything just uh, taken care of like it is now, but just stay consistent, really. That's the name of the game with farming. 
Yep. Consistency. Show up every day. Yeah. It's really about <laughs> consistency and how to replicate. Oh, you, oh, we did this great tomato production. How can we replicate that? How do we create that? How do we bring this biology back to the soil and try to figure out a way to do that same kind of thing we did last year? Or, yeah, just keep keep growing off what we got right now, slowly making everything better and learning more constantly. Yeah. Cool. Great. All right. Now, uh, question three is, um, have you gotten to see or experience your work affect people or a person out, out there in the world? Definitely. You know, I think just being able to have like that appreciation direct to consumer of farmer's markets and people, oh my God, I never had potatoes like this in my life. We're just like, you know, and we have a lot of like, we also serve food to a lot of different like cancer patients or people that have different medical ailments. And it's just, we're serving really beautiful, nutrient-dense vegetables. And so it's, it's awesome to be sharing that with our community, old, young, whoever it is, just super validating to see that starting in the spring, growing that baby sprouting tomato and watching it set fruit and ripen over a course of like six months. You know, yeah. you're like, oh my God, I put so much energy and work and um right our tomato guru here is carly she's just mastermind tomato grower yeah these are crazy Kel- looking Kelsey they're like eight also. feet tall and like stacked with tomatoes it's just yeah it's it's a madhouse it's a jungle in the hothouse <laughs> right now it's like a beautiful fruit jungle veggie yeah. jungle yep so yeah every day it feels good seeing people eat our stuff and yeah inspiring different dishes to come to fruition and stuff oh yeah cool yep definitely affecting people in a great way okay question four this is the big one you ready for this one sure okay what's your definition of art wow that's a loaded one (laughs) art you know art exists on so many different layers and so many different uh conditions and places and it's um you know, there's like renaissance art, but then there's like performance art and then there's like tattoo art and then there's food art. And so it's, I think it really depends on like the, the artist. you know, it's person to person and viewer to viewer and it's so subjective. There's such a fine line. Um, but serious art it is from serious badass people that do their work and just are like so talented, you know, you just see like, I mean, you can have a pretty lightweight shitty art and then you can have like serious hardcore beautiful super original creative artwork and so it's it's you know art art's in everything it's all about like perception and attitude and context very subjective yeah that's great it's cool while you were answering that you had these there's these two like yellow white butterflies just like dancing five feet away from you this is art right here this is nature's (laughs) art it was like and they're just like buzzing around the whole time and now they're yeah. gone they were like the hummingbird and the and the butterfly were here for the art question <laughs> you're like okay you get to end the interview it's done yeah there is that was great um okay cool well this is the part of the interview where i uh show appreciation to my guests for being on here and I just want to oh, yeah. express to you how awesome you, this bro. entire endeavor is. It's so cool. And um, and I have the, this, like, really lucky perspective because uh-huh. I get to come back every, like, yeah. you know, three months to six yeah. months, and I see the development. And, like, 
um, you know, all the spaces being built up and growing and like little just like growth out of every corner of everywhere. And and then it's cool too because I've watched you guys all grow, mm-hmm. you know, and like yeah. deepen as yeah. the farmers that you're becoming. And I'm always just like so impressed by who you are and like the dedication to the pursuit and the craft and like you all work so hard and you know like you can just feel it when you walk on this place it's like this place crushes and so thank you brother yeah i really appreciate that yeah yeah you guys are rad looking forward to the next five years for sure so um it's bright yeah, it is. It's it is. Right. <laughs> and full of, of Australian South African trees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then we're looking out here to the east and it like goes goes up on these mountain ranges with crazy like redwood forests and it's uh it's like incredibly amazing here. Um Okay, so where can people follow you and connect yeah. and buy your things? And so you know, the main place of the the market, you can come visit us at Gualala Farmers Markets every Saturday morning. Um, we're also up at Fort Bragg at City Hall every Wednesday from 3 to 5.30. And then our roadside, the New Museum Brewery is one of our roadside farm stands. And the other one's at the Brickery at Cafe Beaujolais. So if, you wanna, if you're coming up to Mendocino and you want to come get a hold of our delicious goodness, stop in at any of those four joints, you know, on the weekends or during the late, late half of the week. And you should be able to find us. We're also on Instagram at Wavelength Farm. And besides that, you can come visit our website, wavelengthfarm.com, and get a hold of us through there. And uh, yeah. Can we get t shirts from you? You got yeah. Wavelength Farm. We need farm some t-shirts? merch. You guys we need, need some, some merch. merch. I definitely. Everyone's been the logo is great. I've been trying to figure out how to silk screen it. It's got 14 different colors in it. Oh, so geez. I gotta, we got to simplify it. And, uh, yeah. But it's badass. I'm loving the logo. And it's. It was a painting that my dad made, and he let me kind of chop it up. And there was a bit of pushback, and then at the end, he was like, "Oh no, this looks great! Go ahead, <laughs> take it, man, take it." I, He's like, "You can't butcher an artist's work." He's like, yeah. "I'm like, oh, okay, I'm so sorry, my bad, but check out the logo." He's like, "Well, look, it's kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> go for it." Fuck <laughs> <Okay>, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's art right there. Yeah, I, I like to say every act of uh, creation is also an act of destruction. Yeah, you know, and so yeah. any sort of like collaborative work you're doing, you're inevitably yeah. like crushing, like totally. breaking something someone else did. Mm-hmm. But you know, when your intention is uh, the furthering or the bettering, yeah. then you know you get somewhere good. Yeah. All right, cool. We're gonna take a break. Um, why don't you give the people one last bit of wisdom? And this can be about anything. It doesn't have to be about farming. It can be like anything out there water for all those home gardeners or farmers out there it's all about water figuring out how to save water give your plants water and love everyone's like how come my things aren't doing that good it's because generally you're not watering them enough yeah (laughs) water water is life (laughs) love it all right sweet uh well guys we'll be back Part two is brought to you by Steady State Roasting in Carlsbad, California. This place is my favorite coffee shop on the West Coast, and the coffee is the best. They roast all their own coffees from around the world and have a roasting collective for the local coffee-making community. Check them out in the village of Carlsbad or order their beans online at SteadyStateRoasting.com. Keelan, how you doing? I am great. What's going on with you, Taylor? Man, I'm just loving this Northern California lifestyle here. Um, 
it was great. We got to hang out for a couple of days, and now I'm back down in uh, San Francisco. You're on your Mendocino Wavelength Farm still. Um, yeah, how's it how's it going up there? Really good. Good. Just ready for we're always kind of thinking one season ahead right now, getting ready for fall and you know July, August. Constantly thinking about the next season, turning over beds making it work um you know as a vegetable farmer you always got to be hustling on your grind so it's never a, a, a slow moment you know until the off season yeah and like you were telling me earlier that you were doing a bunch of maintenance on different things today yeah so you know some days you don't really even get out the door it's just like you, you got to put your pants on the button flies off you go you turn the tractor on <laughs> start smoking like something just on fire it's me so we kind of have a, a saying here on the farm that um if you're not on fire and you're not bleeding then you're okay <laughs> <laughs> just keep going <laughs> and so uh yeah, another one of those days. You just barely get out the door, and just everything you touch just kind of needs a little bit of love and some work. Got to slow down. Two steps back, one step forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully tomorrow everything just flows super strong for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it should. Yeah, of course. You're lined Monday, up. Monday, like the day I just, you know. You get a case of the Mondays, shake it off by Tuesday, still a little, little shaky, but no, we're setting up Mondays always are like, kind of like set up for our production weekday, kind of finish tie loose bends, get everything for the big harvest to come. Yeah. So yeah, that's, it was. Nice. Um, all right. So yeah, we're going to jump into part two here and what we're going to do with that. I want to switch gears, you know, the little game I'd play where I'd like, give two options for concepts and content. Um, we're going to switch, and instead I'm just going to ask you, we're going to get right to the point. I'm going to ask you, what is like the most important thing on your mind these days in terms of like farming and like the bigger picture? Uh, you know, maybe it's the bigger picture for your farm or like farming in general. Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. Kind of starting to delve into my holistic context and asking myself and my team and everyone over here, um, you know, why are we doing this? You know, what what are we in this for? We're excited about regenerating land, building up soil health, um, restoring the vitality of this piece of earth right here. That's definitely always pressing on the forefront of our minds. But then on a personal level, it's like quality of life. Uh, emotionally, uh, physically, how do I want to be physically engaging with my crops and my career on a daily basis? And you know, is my community receptive of it? And emotionally, where's my headspace at um, as a team and on a personal level? And, you know, just finding ways of... Um, working, yeah, working on getting the therapy for, through the land and through the work and um, being conscious of my body and my motions and my movements and not to injure myself and with such a strenuous physical career. And, 
yeah, like my body feels like hell right now, but my mind is like totally there, super energetic, super positive headspace. And so it's just kind of like you can't get both. It's like one or the other, and they're always going to come in ebbs and flows. So it's just been kind of like lately the forefront of my focus has just been like pay attention and like, you know, read into, you know, all these different levels of quality of life, you know, on a large scale for yourself, for others. And, you know, how, how can we, why are we here? We're here to like steward this land. And that's like a, a beautiful responsibility that we've accepted. And so those two things definitely dictate a lot of the themes that, uh, of what we do on a daily basis. That's really awesome that you took it right there because, um, you know, I've heard that like, f- I've heard s- stories or statistics just about how how challenging uh farming is on like the you know the like the mental health the well-being of the farmer and i can imagine like you have like there's just so much to like be considering all the time and being think and thinking about and uh you're all in with like with your crops you know and like uh, it's a challenge and, and things can happen that are like way bigger than you can even control and mm-hmm. you know like the right weather and like all this stuff and uh-huh. like, when you're all in with something um, you know like the stress level there is is big and um, I like how mm-hmm. you, you know you can tie in like therapy with the work yeah yeah definitely I mean I think like just having my hands in the soil every day working with vegetables feeding people making people happy you know and getting bellies full my neighbors my community the greater community around me it feels good you know it's like it's you're doing you're doing a justice to the community you're really bringing tying things together bringing people energy vitality and nutrient dense food it's just like a wholesome practice so i constantly have to keep reminding myself our team we're really working towards this. We're doing a good thing. And, you know, everyone does a great job of like reminding themselves of that as well and staying positive when it's, you know, when you're grinding, feeling like hell. And yeah, just like, just got to keep, keep your head up and just, just remember why you started doing this to begin with and not get lost in the, in the you know, clouds. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, like it's, it's definitely, um, it's a challenge. Like, okay. And ha- doing anything like every single day is, is a big challenge. It's like the, mm-hmm. you know, you can do anything for like an hour or a day yeah. or whatever, you know, but like, totally. it's, it's like when it's like so many days in a row, like, you know, I, that's when it becomes like almost, um, like oppressive on you. And I see that, you, like, you guys, yeah. you know, you all take breaks and, like, get away and do your thing, like, and I'm sure that's, like, vital. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm sure, you, you totally know what it's like to be painting every day, either in the studio or on a job site, at a building, doing a sign, you know, just hours and hours and hours of repetition, but it's, like, also, it's kind of like an honor, too, to be able to be, have chosen a craft, like this like farming or painting or dancing or singing or building like anything you know that requires like creative skill sets and it's it's like also just like 
by putting that work in and the repetition and being disciplined and focused is the only way that you're ever going to become like uh, fulfilled in your practice. I don't want to say like become a master, but like, it's like you want to be able to hone a craft. And the only way to do that is to be able to put the time and energy and hours into like struggle and like risk everything. And like, you know, yeah, just it all. You got to be risk being horrible to be great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, like, just the work and like, our generation like really doesn't know about that. And so it's awesome to see people like yourselves and other really creative humans that have chosen their craft and like apply so much time and energy and like are so, you know, so obsessed. Beautiful. Yeah. And I was talking to my buddy, uh, Colin here about, we were on a, on a hike over here in some redwoods in the East Bay. And I was telling him about, you know, my time up there on the farm and talking about mycelium. And I think one of my problems that I've had in the past with my like growing different plants, succulents, like whatever stuff in the garden is, um, I think that I've been watering too inconsistently. So like I'll water like a larger amount of water, but it'll be, but like, I think in between waterings, um, the soil dries up. And then mm-hmm. I imagine that like the mycelial network that's in the soil mm-hmm. um, dies off and then right. it probably has to start yeah. from zero. And so then there's like no nutrients there. Yeah. But it kind of, well, it, it kind of reminds me of like a creative practice where like mm-hmm. if you get too far away from it, you know, if you're not consistently showing up, you know, mm-hmm. then you're um, like those little connections in your mind that you're thinking and like, you know they can kind of dry up and you sort of have to like start again from nothing. Yeah. Or totally. It's just like that neglect can lead, you know, to just like that downfall of energy. But, you know, also the other thing that kind of reminds me is like, some people just don't have a green thumb. It's like you either got it or you're not, you either speak the plant language or you don't. And so it's also with painting. It's like, you can try, but if you don't speak the language, um, you know, it's never gonna, you're never gonna like blossom, right? It, or master your craft, or like developing this thing. And it's like you don't want to go against the grain. Sometimes it's like it's important to like really like with art, especially. It's very intuitive, and so you got to trust your gut, and you got to put that discipline in. And so it's it's that watering of the plants is definitely like a beautiful metaphor in a lot of different senses. Um but it's also about like that repetition, you know, it's like, you got to be there every day with your plants repeating it, you know, even though it's boring or it's agonizing or it's fucking like, God damn, it's the last thing I want to do right now. Yeah. You know, like, Oh man. Okay. It's just about like being there consistently and same, you know, same with you and your craft. It's like, if you don't practice, you're, you know, you're just totally going to fall off or fall into some other dimension of your, you know, of work. Yeah. Yeah, and when you when you do show up every day or show up consistently and you you spend time with it, I feel like that's where um, you can like see those little the those little nuances um, of like the painting that needs to be done, or maybe you like if you spend time with a plant and you're sitting with it, you really like looking at it. Maybe you see like oh, you see that like on a leaf, there's like this certain thing that's growing and 
you know, maybe that means that it needs more of this or less of that or whatever. But if you don't take the time to be there and like really be, be with it fully, fully present, then you're not going to catch that. Absolutely. And I think that something that you see a lot of overlap between these different practices is like that attention to detail and the subtleties, you know, like the painting, you'd be like, okay, oil versus acrylic versus watercolors how they're going to react to the canvas do you want to paint on a piece of paper do you want to utilize you know like you want to put prime on the wall like and then you notice all of these little subtleties of how each different material dries and like how this color reacts to this color and you wait 10 minutes and you let that layer dry and then you go and you put your next layer down it's like it's so similar to farming in so many different ways and like so is cooking and it's just like about all your recipes with your soil you want the right amount of saltiness and spiciness and sweetness and tartness and you want to be able to like put the right amount of oyster shell and fish emulsion and compost and you know they're all all of these different art realms have this beautiful attention to detail and it's like that's what separates kind of like the you know the the people that are able to like hone their craft and get really disciplined within their practice versus those who just like dapple and do it as a hobby, which is fun. Keep it light, you know, you can be that, but you know, also appreciate that people dedicate their whole lives to understanding the subtleties of their practice. And it's just, just a cool thought. Yeah. Well, it's neat. I mean, you can, you can see or feel, the difference between someone who's like really, um, you know, taking it, uh, taking it seriously, maybe isn't the right way to say it. I mean, yeah, taking it seriously, but like more like just like all in, you know, you can be yeah. all in and have fun. You don't, have, it has, it doesn't have to be serious, you know, and you guys, yeah. you, you guys do a good job on the farm with that. It's like, you guys obviously have a lot of fun with it, but you're all in with it. And, and you can feel that, like, you can see that. I see that in like the vegetables and then like, when you guys are cooking, you know, like all the flavors are so like dynamically created. And then, and it starts with the food, like you said, which starts with the growing. It's like four months before that, yeah. which starts with the soil before that. And so it's like these, like, it's like layer upon layer upon layer of like all in. And then what you taste is like the symphony of that. Beautiful. Yeah, definitely an obsession we've got over here with food and growing it and living it. Yeah, food and then uh, yeah, and then like the community around it. You should, you should tell everybody about the the little community, the gathering that you had with the the burgers. Yeah, so every year we do a big pop up burger night and just try to have everything come from you know within ten miles of the farm. So we get our friend James. Uh, Pelican Bakery in Point Arena. He gets a bunch of grain from a local grain purveyor, grower. He, they're called the Mendocino Grain Project. Has a beautiful stone mill, like a massive stone mill in his bakery. Grinds it all fresh. And then he does uh, sourdough croissants, which is kind of a new thing to the game. So we did sourdough croissant buns this year. And then we've been working with Jesse and Katrina for the last five years to collaborate with doing um, a Highlander Scottish belted Galloway cattle production. So we have a 
we end up grazing about a head of 10 to 15 cow here for six months a year. And then they go over to uh, two other of our neighbors' pastures. And so usually the breeding stock kind of lives um, on a pasture that's about 10 miles from here. And then we, we bring the cows over um, the heifers to finish them on the fresh grasses here at Wavelength. So we had Wavelength finished beef with pelican croissant sourdough buns. And then Carly makes a gnarly Charlie's hot sauce, which is like a smoky, heavenly, like, ketchup with like fresh dates and honey and just so much good stuff and then we did a fresh garlic aioli and then arugula from our gardens fresh heirloom tomatoes from our hoop house and a bunch of really killer pickled onions um and so all the veggies were right you know grown right here on the land the meat was finished on this grass and the buns were all from scratch literally from from berry wheat berry to sourdough croissant to just, and then we grilled it all over mesquite wood and madrone and alder all all from the area as well so it was just like from everything with like the flavors of the smoke to the, the naturally leavened sourdough it was just like all the different layers you know it wasn't a super like it didn't look really fancy but there was so much love and intention in every part of it and the flavors were dying i woke up just everyone everyone was like that came last night was texting me the craziest burger i've ever had it's just so addictive and delicious and umami and sweet and salty everything you could ever want delicious. <laughs> nice yeah that's the thing is like uh you know it's it's not it's not served up looking like it would if you were in like a five star restaurant, but all the food and the flavors, everything like it's all five star. Like, you know, if you oh, yeah. if you that serve that, uh, you know, if you serve that to somebody sitting at one of these like super swanky restaurants in San Francisco, that would be like a two hundred dollar meal per person right there. Uh, yeah, and you know, one of my favorite things like about moving here and eating in Mendocino is that's like everyone's got their different specialty and skill set. So it's like, we go, I go fishing with Billy. We'll come back. We'll make fresh fish tacos. You know, you're eating fish with the fishermen or you go mushroom foraging with a mushroom forager and come back and make garlicky chanterelles. It's like, there's no better meal than you're ever going to have than eating vegetables with a farmer or like, you know, just like hanging out with the, the, the creators of the food. And seeing how they prepare it, they're like, oh, man, look how he smokes the fish. Like, look at how he just gets that perfect little black edge and, like, brings out all these, like, really good oils. And, like, oh, he took it off the pan. What? It's so moist and delicious. Like, oh, my God, what are, what's happening right now? You just did sea salt and garlic. That's it. Like, you know, <laughs> just, just being able to, like, experience such amazing wild foods. Um, with this simple, beautiful, pre- perfect preparation, just like attention to detail, subtlety of the fish, subtlety of the mushroom. It's just like amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah, it's so cool. I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, so many people don't even have, they don't, so many people don't even know that that type of food and eating and like uh, care and attention is even possible. Like I think, you know, the, like the average average American in like most of the country, I think, or a lot of the country, kind of like 
is fully totally. un- unaware of that. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah. It, it's like Michelin star is just such bogus food now. It's just like really foofy, like kind of fake, pretentious. And then it's like, you should just go out and like go foraging for some greens. And like, you could create such a more authentic experience in your own kitchen. Um, you know, and I, that's not to say that there's brilliant food artists and amazing chefs and like such you know california is such a beautiful melting pot of kitchens and and creation and flavors and all these communities and uh ethnic backgrounds coming together to just break down boundaries of what people call home is beautiful but um you know it's like there's just a lot of like you know food it gets a lot there's a lot of muddled gray areas in like the fine dining you know what's real and what's like a lot of hype you know and so it's nice to just be like wow this is the best thing i've ever eaten in my life we just caught it ourselves this beautiful salmon you know we went out harvested some chili peppers made a fresh salsa it's like you're not gonna be able to eat a better meal than that like mm-hmm. some homemade tortillas it's like come on give me a break <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah which is so cool and i mean you know that's the reason I feel like everybody really should be leaning towards, you know, I guess I'm not going to say should, but I think if everybody leaned towards supporting their local farmer at, you know, farmer's markets and whatnot, like that would really be, you know, every dollar that people spend is like a vote for what they want to exist in the world. And, you know, by Mm -hmm. spending money at, at places at like on, on real people and real farmers and real food. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's just good for everybody. Totally. You know, and I think there's just been like this big myth for the longest time that like food should be cheap. Like you should go to the farmer's, the farmer's going to break you the deal. But it's like our prices have been so affected by industrialization of like America mega crops. And so all the small scale farmers are just getting like so outcompeted, you know, like we can't grow kale at the price of the, the mega purveyor in the Central Valley. We're not going to be able to grow tomatoes and be competitive with, you know, the Salinas Valley tomatoes or strawberries. So it's a lot about having that intimate connection with our community where people see the energy and the hard work and they're like, wow, definitely I'll pay $5 for a pint of strawberries. Like, you guys just broke your back to get me these to this table over here. Like, oh my God, you grew them organically? Like, why how did you do that you know like and so it's just you know having the dialogue having people kind of be able to like see see the reality of farming and starting to be more interested in it there's definitely like the slow food revolution people are really caring a lot more about where their food's coming from and so like just to bring this whole conversation full circle um but that's that's what wavelength farm's all about is really just like starting that conversation and ending it with a really high quality product feeding people good stuff and then having people get you know inverse you know receiving that excitement and the flavors and and just kind of creating a passion and spark to want to like be a little bit more involved in their local food scene and like strengthen our food economy and partake in in the real work that goes behind small-scale farming and be able to support that and see that and it's just like kind of comes back to education you know and like our schools we're not taught 
we're taught about industrial farming like like you know when we when we are taught about farming we're never taught about like the small scale the no-till grower the guy that grows compost heavy beautiful vegetables you know it's like we don't learn how to even cook food for ourselves or even learn how to clean our clothes we're just like these like weird robots when we graduate high school and like even into college it's like what are we supposed to learn there supposed to sit in a bunch of lecture halls and learn about history and like when do we learn about ourselves and taking care of ourselves and growing our own food and even just like learning about you know how to like do holistic medicine like medicine and nature and like just so many different layers of things that we don't learn that are so essential to our evolution and growth as humans and mankind and it's we've we've definitely taken it on as a responsibility to kind of share that knowledge and that's like a huge part of you know the whole connecting the cycle and getting on the same wavelength as people yeah totally and and another thing that we don't learn um is the like when we zoom out is is what the effect of these processes does on on the land and our and our bodies and the earth and the air and like you know a lot of when we talk about organic with a lot of people the only thing that they're concerned with is the price but they don't even think about like what organic food really means and what non-organic food really means and what it's you know and like what it's doing to the soil over time and like what you kind of talked about with me the other day was like you know like what's the long-term effect of like this farming practice versus that farming practice yeah you can get a cheaper tomato or a cheaper strawberry but like what's the 25 year the 50 year the 100 year effect of that of that practice like the sen- oh. right the central valley is like drying up in a lot of ways because of like farming practice is it is it because of, partly because no, of like, farming practice i would practices? totally agree with you it's been malpractice that's been heavily focused on mega production which is totally a repercussion of the institutionalized men's you know industrial mindset produce as much largest volume make as much money as possible out compete the next competitor you know and so um the larger the better the bigger the more money you'll make but then like it's it's coming with such costly repercussions uh, people are just like not even thinking about how they're going to continue to keep the soil biology alive and they're just flipping it over and roasting the soil so you're getting these massive dust bowls all over california you know in a state that otherwise would grow 90 80 to 90 percent of the entire country's food is becoming literally a barren desert of just dead soil and you're i'm driving through it getting more depressed out of my mind than i've ever been in my life i literally cannot drive the five highway anymore because it's so sad to see um and you know it there's just definitely a lot of different food philosophies surrounding it, but I think one of the more important ones is, you know, what can we do is an important question to ask ourselves. And like, that is one, either go to small scale grocery stores that are supporting small scale farmers, or just show up to one of the farmer's markets in your neighborhood each week, talk to the farmers, ask them about their practices. Are you guys using chemicals? Are you spraying? No, that's great. There's a whole myth that like vegetarianism is going to save the world. And it's like, you know, to a certain extent, that can be true. If you're if you're really focused on asking your farmers what their farming practices are and making sure that you're 
you know, eating really wholesome vegetables that aren't filled with pesticides and fluorine and chlorine and all different types of weird chemicals, you know? And so it's like when you go and you buy a tomato at Safeway, it's going to be pumped with pesticides. Even if it's organic, it's going to be pumped with organic pesticides. And it's like, I mean, maybe not 100% of the time, but majority of the time, yes. Unless you're able to go to the farmer's market and look at your farmer in the face and have that conversation with them, hey, what's what do you guys put on this? Oh, we just do oyster shell. We do some calcium, some magnesium. We do all organic minerals, and we put a little bit of perlite. We do some feather meal. We do some bat guano. You're like, oh, whoa, that sounds pretty legit. That all sounds like really nice natural things. You know, um, we we do really good certified organic compost with chicken manure in it. It's just like, oh, whoa, that's what you guys grow your food in chicken manure? Oh, that sounds really cool. That sounds beautiful. You know, are you guys spraying chemicals? No. Oh, whoa, nice. I feel good. All of a sudden, I feel good about eating your food, getting, you know, supporting myself. Like, if these aren't offensive questions to ask. These are real easy questions and like definitely would advise all the listeners to like take that extra time to like think about where their food's coming from and not just some like mega million acre even if it's organic and it's just going to be some mega farm you know and so unless you start to really work harder to, to source your food locally and be a part of that conversation and be willing to like put the extra work in to feed yourself nutrient dense food with no chemicals it's, it's hard to find yeah. and you and like majority of meat farming cattle ranching and pig farming is awful warehouses and like gross you know awful like dead pastures with huge crane lots but then there's like the total polar opposite side of things too um there's the 10 percent of the farmers that are doing it on really beautiful pastures and they're constantly keeping the soil healthier year after year making it better like you know a path for future farmers to exist in these beautiful fertile valleys with gorgeous grasses and things like that and we're, we're not lucky enough to be surrounded by organic cattle farms here and their pastures are green year round with such innovative techniques and they're just doing such a good job we're just so lucky to be you know surrounded by these particular farmers and it could have been totally the opposite. It could have been just like commercial, like really gnarly, heavily sprayed pastures with grain lots. And it's not. It's like there's options and there's different ways of, you know, of dealing with your land and like your practice. And, you know, it's, it's just about asking questions and having that dialogue with the farm. There's no right way to eat. It's just about being, you know, sensitive of where your food's coming from and being able to like identify what's what's healthy versus what's chemical with what's going to give me cancer and you know it's not about like vegetable versus meat it's about like farmer to farmer and your relationship and like what's real yeah it's cool it's i like that thought um i feel like what just came to mind is it's about like the quality of the consciousness that is mm-hmm. being um, you know, applied to the process and to the food and to the animals and everything. Like, um, yeah, it used to be very like, you know, black and white, veg- vegetarian or not. Whereas, like, like in a, I mean, everybody has their own their own way of eating, and we eat meat. But we like in my life, I've gone from like eating meat all the time, every meal, to now it's like it's 
occasional, it's backed off, but when everything that I get, I want it to be high quality, you know, grass fed and finished or like locally caught, locally, all the things, um, you know, check all the like good, good practice, um, boxes. And it just comes back to education, being able to know what's real. And it's just like, we're not taught. So it's like, you got to do your research. You got to be able to like talk to people that know, I got to talk, talk to the farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to like friends and family and, uh, you know, let them know yeah. things that talk to growers you're thinking about. Gardeners or start your own garden and see for yourself. Yeah, man. Well, Keelan, this has been fantastic having you on. Oh man, such a treat. Yeah. Good to see you last week. Yeah. Wish yeah. You the best in your journey, South. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. And uh yeah, I'm Absolutely. definitely gonna try to get your dad on the podcast. That's gonna be really Ooh. fun. And um yeah, we'll be seeing you in November when we come back up. Oh, man. Awesome, Taylor. Can't wait, brother. Yeah, yeah. We'll hang out for one second, and uh, we'll call this done for the people. Yeah. You want to say anything, anything, any last words to the humans? Oh, thank you, guys. Just thanks for listening. Just do your part. Start gardening if you want to. Otherwise, just go support the people that have dedicated their life to it. Yeah, have a wonderful evening or day or whatever time it is where you're at. <laughs> Heck yeah. Cool. All right. Well, cheers, people. Ciao. Later, y'all. So that, my friends, was Keelan Daniel. That guy's awesome. That was one of my favorite interviews so far. Keelan's just such a cool blend Um from the art and life perspective because for one he's so steeped in art uh you know from his work with his dad you know raising him the way he did and all the creativity that keelan's had in his life and then um what it comes out to what's up kitty uh how it comes out in his farming cat come on we're trying to record here i know you're so cute yeah i get it um but yeah, and then the way that it comes out in his farming and, um, you know, there's so many creative directions and decisions that need to happen when you're running a business and then also a farm at the same time and a lot of creative solutions because you have limited resources and you can do anything. So what do you do? A lot of decisions being made and um, yeah, it's just it's just amazing to see what they've they've done out there. Wavelength is awesome. Give them a follow for sure. Uh, check out what they do. It's uh, beautiful and inspiring all the time. And uh, speaking of inspiration, I mean, that's what we're doing this whole thing for. And so hope that you're feeling the vibes and that you're taking it uh, in a good direction with your work. Um, yeah. Heed those words that, that Keelan was dropping in there. And um, follow his, uh, you know, his his direction himself in his life, like going after something that's a big dream, a big goal, a big long-term project. There's lots of people involved. Um, you know, it's like, it's hard work. Life, life is hard work. But if you aim somewhere and you just take a step forward every day, then uh, good things are going to build. And we've seen so much cool stuff happen on that farm. It's been incredible to see the progression over time. And um, that's what happens with 
with projects is like you know days are long but years go by really fast and things stack up in great ways so take that and do with it what you will and see how yeah watch your work stack up over time takes a long time sometimes it feels like it takes way too long but it happens so lean in i think that's it cheers Thank you.